At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Many of us often wonder if going to church is worth it. But what if we told you God has a beautiful design for the church that very much includes you? The book of 1 Timothy speaks to these truths. And if each of us submits to them, our church will function as the loving family God intends. Join us this week as we look at the answers to the question, Church, why bother? All right, well, thank you for joining us today. A uh, quick question as we start out the day is, uh, if I asked you the question, what is the church? In your mind, what would you say? Like, it could be described as many different things. Would it, would it be merely just a building? Is the church summed up in just this building? Probably not, right? Is the church a business, which it sometimes can be? No, probably not. Is the church a, uh, a system? Essentially, the church is a people. The church is a people. It's a gathering of us, each with value and dignity. And people are different, right? Look around. Try to find somebody exactly like you. Same talents. Probably not going to find that same exact identification of you know, who you are as a person. And uh, so... We're going to get a little interactive right in the beginning here. Some of you love it, some of you hate it, but it doesn't matter because we're going to do it. So when I say this statement, you're going to raise your hand if uh, that describes you. You ready? So raise your hand if you like dogs more than cats. Wow, a lot of people. Glad we're not divided on that one. But there are, not, there are some that don't. All right, next one. Raise your hand if you root for a different NFL team besides the Lions. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I'm judging you right now. <laughs> and the last one, raise your hand if you think a hot dog is a sandwich. Wow, some passionate people. It's okay, you're, you're wrong, but it's okay that you believe that. I understand the two pieces of bread, we, we won't get into it. The point is, is that we are different people who believe different things, who uh, maybe were different ages, different genders, different cultures, different socioeconomic conditions. So the question is, how do we relate to one another in a way that brings glory to Jesus? How do we address the challenges that come from the many types of people in all the different circumstances that we've come from? Well, to confront that, we're, we're continuing our study through 1 Timothy. And in this, uh, in this study that we've been going through, Paul's letter to Timothy uh, is what, we're been, what we've been going through. Timothy was a gifted and godly young man who Paul had commissioned to pastor a church in Ephesus. And so if you would, open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 5. That's what we're going to be going through today. And Timothy had this job of pastoring this church. And this church was made up of very, very different people. His instruction provides us with guidance as we follow Jesus in this spiritual community in his church. We just came off this last segment where Paul is giving instructions to Timothy to hold fast the faith and to avoid false teaching. He was challenged to pursue godliness in his personal and public life as a leader in the church. And Timothy, being a younger guy, which I identify with, praise God for Timothy, he was told not to let anyone to despise his youth, knowing that the power of God resides in him, ready to transform the church that he pastors. 
He now guides Timothy with wisdom for relating with these different people. Timothy was in the other's business. Like he was a pastor. He loved other people. And so as pastors, we are called to care for the church. And especially in Timothy's day, the church could influence how the pagan population around them would respond to the gospel. And so the church in Ephesus, Timothy's church, needed order. And most of all, it needed correction. To address this, Paul addresses this by showing that the church relates as the family of God. The church relates as a family of God. So how do we relate to a family of God? Like, we're all different people. Maybe you're looking around and you're like, you're not my family. I don't care about you. Which is valid. But in the first half of chapter 5, we see, th- uh, we see three qualities that are essential to relating properly with one another as family. The first being is that we treat each other with honor. We treat one another with honor. And so to kick this off, let's read part of the scripture. It's in 1 Timothy 5, 1. We're going to read right here. It says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. And then the last section here says, honor widows who are truly widows. Paul shows that we should treat one another with the honor as a general principle. And this is shown in a family. Does your, does your family show perfect honor all the time? Right? No, probably not. Mine doesn't. But it's okay because we are a spiritual family empowered by God. Now, I, I do want to give one precursor before we go into this today, is that with all this talk about family and the church as a family, I understand some, some, some may come today with a broken family, with a terrible past with their broken family. And so God designed family as a safe and nurturing environment, but that design was corrupted when sin entered the world, and unfortunately, there are some who are at the hands of some pretty terrible families. And so I know that there are those who struggle with this family description of the church because of experiencing terrible distortions of what a family should be. So in this, I pray that your perspective can be transformed by God's intent and instructions for the family. That number one, husbands and wives would love and treasure one another like Jesus does the church. That number two, that parents are raising children in the knowledge of God and not to exasperate them. And then number three is that children are faithfully fulfilling the commandment to honor their parents. And all parents said, amen, you know, amen. (laughs) Like, yes, we are called to do these things, to love one another, to honor one another. And so God also designed the family as a place where honor is given across genders and generations. So Paul challenges Timothy to treat people in the church with the honor one would show to fathers, to mothers, to siblings, when living in a household that is faithful to God's design. We are family in this place. And so Timothy's job is, uh, is pretty hard, right? His leadership required him to address some situations that needed correction. 
In previous weeks, we described how some people in his church were arguing openly and roles in the church weren't being followed as well. So how does a young man like Timothy lead when correction is required? Clearly, Paul says, with honor. With honor. And honor is simply defined as admiration and respect. Admiration and respect. I, can I share two words that lack honor and admiration or respect and admiration is uh, millennial and boomer. It's like, when's the last time you heard somebody said, man, I love that millennial. He's such a good guy. Or man, you're such a great boomer. I love you. No, like these are words that we demean each other. Yes, it's joking, but it's it, it, at the root of it, we should honor those who are different genders and generations. Instead of harsh rebukes when correction is needed, Paul instructs Timothy to express spirit-like encouragement. We in the church are to come along and strengthen one another. Just like with men, we are to sharpen each other iron on iron. Like we are called to lift one another up. This honoring manner is an exception regardless of age or gender. The first group, he says, is that we ought to show respect to older men. As you would honor your father, so speak words of respect to an older man. Treat older women with gentleness. Older women should be honored in their seniority and encouraged with affection. As a side note of the Greco-Roman world that Paul is writing in, you didn't see this picture of family in this world. Like cultural records from the era reveal that Romans held ambivalent attitudes towards older individuals. Some art pieces and dramatic presentations depicted the elderly as toothless and wrinkled men and women. And so the difference between the Christian world and the, the pagan world was very different. Whereas in the Christian world, they now have this biblical sense of honor. Whereas in the pagan world, not at all. And so with this Christian world, we saw an outpouring of love towards the old and young generation. The next one is speak with humility to younger men. You are not to lord your position over someone younger than you, but honor them as brothers and sisters. And then the last one is honor younger women with purity. Care and honor can be exploited as tragically seen in too many situations, both in and out the church. But Paul declares that young women are to be honored in a manner that we do our flesh and blood sisters. So do you, do you notice that Paul is retaining the distinctions of age and gender still? Like some people have misinterpreted this, uh, this next verse in Galatians that says there, there's neither Jew or Greek, neither slave or free, male or female, you are all in one in Christ Jesus. You recognize that verse? Well, so there is still this oneness in the family of Christ without segregation based on these categories. But... God continues to recognize our gender, our culture, our maturity, despite our oneness in the body. It matters to him, and it ought to matter to us. So I love puzzles. Anybody with me on that? Any other puzzle lovers out there? Awesome, I'm not alone. I'm, I'm a crazy person who loves doing a thousand-piece puzzles, and I enjoy it. And uh, the current one that I'm working on right now, I've got a picture of it right here is just the sun. It's a thousand piece sun, round, 
and it's all just different shades of red and orange and yellow, and it is the hardest puzzle I've ever done. Like, this is torture for me, and I love puzzles. But with puzzles, every single piece has a different shape, has a different size. Every piece is different, but it, yet it still makes up the same image of this terrible-looking sun that has caused me so much frustration. But still, they're all different pieces making up one image. And in the same way, we are one church made up of different sizes of people, different shapes of people, different colors of people. We are all different, right? All different puzzle pieces making up the one image, which is Christ. That is the beauty of this place. And we should value and embrace our differences, our gender, our culture, our age, and value and recognize it in others. And so that's what we're actually going to do right now. Um, this next segment might be a little awkward, but I don't care. We ought to honor one another as individuals. And so when I say the, uh, the category of people, I want you to stand, and we're just going to honor you by just giving you a round of applause, because we ought to honor one another as a church. And so when I say older men, younger men, I'm not going to tell you to stand or not. I don't want to cause division in the church. I'm not going to say you're an older man, you're a younger man. I'm going to let you decide that, right? And so why don't the older men stand up at this moment, and we'll honor you in this moment. Let's give them a round of applause. Older men, you are our fathers, and we love you and appreciate your wisdom. All right, go ahead and take a seat. Younger men, any younger men in here that would like to stand up and say that you're young? Hey, we honor you. You bring energy in this place, and we love you for it. Any older women in the church right now? Any older women? All right, let's give them a round of applause. We love you, we admire you, and appreciate your wisdom. You are our mothers, and we love you for that. All right, and next is uh, young women. Young women, please stand up. Hey, praise God for you. You are our sisters, and we love you and appreciate you. Hope I didn't cause any divisions in the church. That's on you, not me. What other place can you find completely different people. Yeah, you find different people in the culture, but in this place, we are very, very different people that actually shows one each other love. There's male, male, female, there's diversity in culture, socioeconomics, education, tradition, skills, yet we are called fathers, mothers, brothers, and sisters. We are one body, though we are different. And so this happens at our church in our life groups ministry. You can join a life group and find biblical community in that. You can belong to that. This happens on our Sunday morning gatherings right here where everybody gathers despite all of our differences. And this happens organically throughout the week. And as a pat on the back moment, I have heard, I, so I lead our Next Steps Pathway class, our membership class and in this class, I've constantly heard of new guests coming in and saying, the first Sunday I came, I felt like I was a part of the family. Like they felt like they belonged. And that just shows your love for new guests. Not that just their first time guests, but just anybody and everybody can belong to the family of God. 
And so one word of caution on that is resist the tendency to simply gather with your close friends who are, who are like you, right? And resist the trend of degrading other generations if you're annoyed with the millennials or the boomers. Instead, show brotherly love. Engage with each other on a deep level when we gather and worship because we are family. So honoring one another is not simply a matter of our words. We actually have to show it with our actions. And so now Paul focuses on a certain group in the Ephesian church, which are the widows. This next long, complex instruction reveals how important widow care should be in their church and also at Woodside. So let's read together. It says, honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren... Let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband, and having a reputation of good works. If she has brought up her children and has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refuse to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry, and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. So if there's anything you walk away with in this section, is that God cares for the widows. He loves widows, and this is shown all throughout Scripture. There's an acknowledgement of women who lose their husbands, that they are especially vulnerable. And I've got a slide of specific verses that show this. Exodus 22, this shows the Jewish society was warned about mistreating them. It says, you shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. Deuteronomy 10.18 says, He who executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, he executes justice for the widow. And then probably the most popular is James 1.27. It says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And then last, in Acts 6.6, it shows the early church how they embrace this responsibility and the word of the Lord continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. They truly cared for the widows in their community. So opposed to cultural norms where widow, widows may have been mistreated, Paul's day, uh, he, he actually lifts them up and gives them value and dignity. You see, we care for one another with discernment. All of this requires discernment. In this instruction to Timothy, he mentions four types of people in this situation that would require discernment. The first one being that there are older, faithful widows who have no relatives to support them. This type of widow relies on God, 
their husbands have died and they have little opportunity to provide for their own needs, but she still places her faith on God and she serves him faithfully. These women are amazing and they are valued. So much of the power of the church's gospel impact can be traced to these prayers and the service of these prayer warriors that serve and petition the God who loves them. And then the next category is older faithful widows who have family. This widow has children or nieces and nephews. She raised her family to look like Jesus. Her adult children have the responsibility to care and provide for their mom, not to release the responsibility to the church or some government agency. And we'll get a little bit more into that a little later. And then next are unfaithful widows. Apparently, there were widows taking advantage of the widow care ministry in this church, most likely the same women in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Instead of trusting in Jesus, they lived for themselves. Paul describes them as alive but dead spiritually. And as a, as a, as a big word, he says later that they have strayed after Satan, that they are oddlers, idlers, gossips, and busybodies. She also needs to be honored, but this honoring looks like correction. She needs to be confronted, not harshly, right, but with honor, like you would have with a mom or a sister and call her live and call her to live faithfully with God. Maybe you've corrected your mom or your sister before. That is not easy, and so the task that Timothy has requires discernment. And then there are also younger widows. These had the possibility of getting married again, and Paul advised them to do so if God calls them to it. They shouldn't feel the obligation to remain single because they, there they had many difficulties and temptations as a young widow, and if a healthy marriage possibility comes, they should consider it, is what he says. In other words, she is to embrace a responsibility for herself managing her children and her household. This all required discernment. And clearly, we cannot use our own wisdom. This requires spirit-like discernment. We need the Holy Spirit for this act. We should use wisdom as we care for the vulnerable. And this is why Timothy said that our leaders need to be qualified, especially not misusing money, because if we're supporting widows financially, how can we have deacons, deaconesses, elders, and staff who are misusing the money essentially to be used for these widows who are truly in need. And so these instructions were for Timothy's church, but specifically, we can use these timeless principles here at Woodside. We see that widows matter. They do matter here. God gives them great honor, and we should also see them, uh, we should give them honor as their brothers and sisters. They serve with us, they pray with us and for us. They bring wisdom, compassion, hospitality, and spiritual power to our spiritual family. If you're a widow, I grieve with you and I'm sorry for what you've gone through. And the church wants to come alongside of you and support you. Now, when I approached Pastor Jeff uh, this last week, I said, do we have a widow's ministry? I didn't even know. And he actually referred me to Diane and Ellen, who have served as deaconesses in the past. And when talking with Diane, who uh, is a widow, they have already started a widow's ministry here at Woodside and have been at least for the, next, the last few months. And so I praise God for this. I'm like, maybe we'll have to get one off the ground, 
But when I heard about this, it, like, I almost felt like crying because this is so beautiful. And I see the passion in Ellen's and Diane's heart for widows because they truly care. And so the goal of this group is they want these widows to come together and to feel encouragement while they're going through grief and this immense life change. What they, uh, what they do is they go through a book of discussing Christ-centered grief. They meet every couple of weeks and they talk about topics like listening to others, grieving with one another. Maybe even if you're a young widow, they learn how to ask for help if you feel like you can't and don't want to burden anyone. And so this group of women is also cared for in practical needs, right? If every widow has practical needs, financial, emotional burdens. And so we want to come alongside of them and care for them. So I want you to know, if you are a widow in this church, uh, please join this group. It is going to be a great service to you. And you can sign up at the welcome desk after the service for you to get involved in this group. But then for those who uh, are not a widow and want to support Know that we have a group like this, and that's amazing. But know that you can also give to our deacons fund, which actually supports ministries like this. Um, in giving towards the deacon fund, which is above and beyond your normal contributions to the church, when we see a need arise with some of these widows, we're actually able to support them financially, who are truly widows and truly in need, because we want to support them. So know that this exists and step up because the need is there, and we love the widows in our community. Can I get an amen for that? Let's support our widows. So we are a family of God, using discernment to care, to care for those in need. And now last, we fulfill our responsibility with faithfulness. We, re we fulfill our responsibility with faithfulness. The last section says this. So I would have younger widows marry, Bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed after Satan. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. So he gives responsibilities to some very specific groups of people that we're going to cover right here. All widows. In verses 4 to 5 and verse 10, we see Paul urging the widows to continue to serve Jesus. Serve Jesus. Despite the challenges, they are still vital to the mission of God. Like, we need you. They can encourage her family in the faith. They can be passionate in prayer. Uh, they, can be, they can show hospitality and good works. If you are a widow, we need you. You have value. And with the strength that God provides, continue to serve the king in this new life, even though it may be difficult. Younger widows, they are given dignity and encouragement to embrace providing for their families. They are vulnerable to all kinds of challenges, not only the, the practical and financial hardship of caring for a household, which is hard, I can't imagine, but also the temptations from our spiritual enemy. God has a future for them, and they should be free to pursue it without guilt. And then there's Christian families with widows. These families should shoulder the responsibility to provide for these widows. 
Paul makes it clear that it is the family's biblical responsibility to faithfully care for the parents and grandparents, and especially the widows who are no longer supported by their husbands. He says in 1 Timothy 5.8 that neglecting the family is like pagan living. That's big. So what, what is actually happening? So going back into this Greco-Roman world, Family members, typically children and grandchildren, were to provide complete and essential care for older relatives. Doing so was a sacred duty. Failure to do so could result in penalties and fines, and in Athens, even the restriction of a person's citizenship rights. (laughs) I can't imagine that. And so among the Romans, children likewise had the legal responsibility of caring for their aged parents. However, because of the high rate of infant and child mortality, life expectancy was only between 20 and 30 years. So only about 6 to 8% of the empire's population lived to be more than 60 years old. And all of you looking at your children, you're like, you're going to do that to me, right? You're going to support me, right? It was clearly a necessity in that culture, and Paul says it's a necessity in the church, not just because it's a law, not because you're going to lose your citizenship, but because it's from God. You're showing your faithfulness to God by doing so. So maybe you're already caring for elderly parents or relatives or family members with special needs. God highly values your compassionate ministry. God sees you and he honors you. Whatever financial and emotional costs in your life, God sees your sacrifice that you are doing and you are doing kingdom work. That is kingdom work. Don't feel guilty that you're maybe not involved in the church as you are, as you think that you should be, but rather you are doing kingdom work in your household. And then if there's a widow in your family, help them. Just help them. This shows your faithfulness and it allows the church freedom to help those in need without family to help them. You found your ministry very, very close to home. That is your ministry now. And so for those who have neglected the care for the elderly in your family, this is the best time to repent and allow the gospel to shape your life in this area. Start investing time and money to help with food insecurity, financial burdens, and emotional care. It will require costs. It will require energy. But you will find that there is joy following God's heart for widows. There is joy in this. And the last group is the church. The church. The church should care for the needs of true widows. Those who don't have family support, that they don't have that system to rely on, but yet they do embrace a life to follow after God. These these are the people that we should support. This, the church, the spiritual family, can provide the practical and emotional support that is needed. And so Paul gives these layers of defense almost, whereas which widow should we not support, which widow should we support? Why does Paul do this? Is it to save the church a couple bucks? Is it to prevent the church from being taken advantage of? Is it to uh, make the task of caring people easier? Well, he gives his his purpose and his motivation in verse 16. So that the church may care for those who are truly widows. We want to care for those 
who are truly vulnerable, we want to make sure that they are cared for. A gospel-shaped community of faith has a priority to care for those who are truly in need. God has blessed you for the purpose of raising others up. And if you are low, know that there are others who exist to raise you up. This is the purpose of the body, that we are able to support one another. And so Woodside Warren certainly is not a perfect church, but by God's grace, we will continue to use wisdom and discernment to support the family that he has entrusted to us. Pray for our deacons, pray for our elders and our staff and our pastor, that as we support those who are vulnerable, that they would have wisdom and know who to support, who not to support, because those are really hard decisions because we have a limited set of money that God has entrusted to us And a lot of it comes from our deacon's fund, that we are able to support people. And so know that we have leaders in place who are qualified, but they definitely need prayer. And guess what? Jesus loves the vulnerable. Does he not? Jesus loves the vulnerable. His disciples saw it constantly through his life. They saw Jesus' frustration at the temple. This is in Mark 12, where the, the wealthy religious elite made a big show of their giving to the treasury. Look at me giving. I'm so fancy. I'm great. I'm so righteous. And this was an amount that really cost them little. Meanwhile, they demanded that the widow give her last penny, even though it was all she had to live on. They also heard Jesus' Jesus's warning that neglecting those in need is evidence that you don't belong to the kingdom of God. He says, depart from me, for I never knew you. That's, that should be sobering. There should be a sobering warning for us. That truly we have a heart that wants to give and care for those who are vulnerable. Yet, the Father has sent Jesus to rescue us from our spiritual debt. That while we were sinners, he still loved us. That he sent his son Jesus to die for us and live a perfect life. And he did this because we are in spiritual debt. We are all vulnerable. We all have lost our way. And we can find righteousness in Jesus. That while we had nothing to offer him in return, he offered everything for the purpose of adopting us into his family. That when you accept Jesus, he actually adopts you, not into your flesh and blood family, but actually adopts you into a a far better spiritual family. This adoption is pure and undefiled, and you, you will find joy in this new family that you belong to. So you can call on the Lord Jesus today, and you will be adopted you will find no greater joy than this. So ministering to one another in the family of God is really complicated. It's not easy to faithfully demonstrate the the love of Jesus across generations, genders, and life situations. We are prone to become like the world and focus on our own lives and marginalize those who would slow us down by their neediness and criticize the older or younger who don't always see the world like we do. But... The church relates to one another as a family. And God has called us to honor one another and to care for one another and fulfill our responsibility in serving his family. Would you pray with me?
Father, we love you. Even thinking about this topic of spiritual family, we thank you for bringing us here this morning that we can belong to this specific church. We thank you for this topic of spiritual family, that if we don't belong to a family, or our family is not as great as what we'd hoped for, we thank you for this amazing sense of a godly community that is called spiritual family. You are the head of this family, and we praise you for your headship and your lordship over this family, and we we trust you, and we call you Lord and Savior. Jesus, as we're carrying this out, I pray that you would give us grace, give us wisdom as we care for one another in very real ways, and help us as we're interacting with people very different from ourselves, that you would increase our bond with one another that can only be found in you in no other place in this world. Lord, as we're caring for those who are vulnerable, those who are widows within this community, I pray that you'd give our leaders wisdom as we do this. And Lord, we ask that if we don't have that heart, that you would give it to us. That those who are in need in this church, I pray that you would provide for their needs. That you would provide for their needs from those who have much. I thank you for this church. I thank you for this word that Paul has given Timothy. And as difficult a situation that Timothy was facing, I pray that we would face any future difficulties trusting in you, Jesus. May your spirit empower us for this work that we would truly love and care for the widows in this community just like you did. Jesus, we love you. and We thank you for the salvation that you've given us. Ultimately, we thank you for adopting us into your family. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.